0: Listener-supported Saint Gabriel Catholic Radio AM eight twenty brings you Foundations in Faith. Join Monsignor Frank Lane as he offers insights into the readings heard at Mass. And now Foundations in Faith with Monsignor Frank Lane. This is Father Frank Lane, and we're continuing our program Foundations in Faith um, today. The Gospel is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. It's chapter five, verses one through eleven. It is the story of uh, the fishermen coming in from the sea, having uh, fished all night and caught nothing. And uh, Jesus comes and comes onto the shore, moves out in a boat in order to speak with them, and then asks them to go back out in the deep once again, in which they catch a huge catch of fish. And so when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus, saying, "'Leave me, Lord,'' for I am a sinful man. So that's kind of the gospel. But let's begin now in the beginning and see where the gospel is going to take us along this story, basically a further story of commitment and a further story of discipleship. It says, Jesus was standing one day by the lake of Gennesaret with the crowd pressing around him, listening to the word of God, when he caught sight of two boats close at hand. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, it was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And when he sat down and taught the crowd from the boat, where he sat down and taught the crowd from the boat. So he's, he's pressed by the crowd on the shore that means he's um, he 's come into galilee he 's established his reputation um, he kind of ruined his reputation in Nazareth, but that was the people 's fault and not his own and then, um, as he 's going down to the Sea of Galilee, it kind of gives a sense that maybe he 's leaving. <laughs> And so the crowds follow him to get, you know, a few last nuggets of wisdom from him, but also, um, you know, to wish him well on his journeys to see him off. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and pay out your nets for a catch. And so he says, and this is a very famous... Uh, line A lot of people quote this in in pictures of St. Peter And uh, it's the invitation, put out a little deeper And that of course has so many meanings to it Part of the meaning is, of course, is to put the boat out further into the water But Part, part of the meaning also is Whatever you have derived from this situation Push it a little bit Go out into the deeper waters and see what there is left for you for there may be treasure left behind that that you need to find in order for your lives and your mission to be fulfilled. So when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and put and pay out your nets into the or catch. So he's already now asking him to go re-fishing again and here's what they and here's what they say. And this is kind of interesting too because now, if this is the call of the disciples, and it appears to be as Simon, James, and John, um, that certainly what happens is, is they say, um, basically, Lord, um, not Lord, but Master, which is kind of interesting because that word has not yet been introduced into the New Testament, and so the word, the word for Master. The word that uh, "epistates" is, is what it is, is a word found only in Luke. And here, um, not teacher, as in the parallels, pa- uh, but rather leader, one whose business is to command. At the sign of the Lord's power, he realizes that even this was an inadequate um, designation, and is struck, and is struck with chagrin. At the contact that they left, everything and followed them. So he's using the word master and leader now, and uh, <clears throat> and not just teacher, which means he's formulated a different concept of Jesus. Really, in this encounter, that he it's a personal encounter with Peter, and that he's formed a different concept of the Lord. He's followed him perhaps because of his teaching, but it isn't the teacher that is attracting him. It's the fact that he commands. It's the fact that he speaks with authority. It's the fact that he is a leader. He is a master. And so they say to him, you know, uh, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I will pay out the nets. So if you say so, if you now as leader, not as teacher, but as leader say so, fine we'll go back out and cast out our nets again and uh and when they had done this, they netted such a huge number of fish that the other boats um, that that he signaled the other boats to come and and to help them when these came, they filled the two boats to the sinking point, so that what jesus has has done um Verbally, he has also done existentially and symbolically. When he has when he has said, "Put out into the deep a little further and see how much you catch," then, and uh, once again, the manifestation of his lordship over creation, the manifestation of of Jesus being the one who is the Lord, through whom all things came to be and without whom nothing is. Saint John reminds us that he. Um, that he uh, then shares that riches, those riches, with the others. And uh, they netted a large number of fish. They needed help to pull them in. They, uh, they filled the two boats into the sinking point. There's this, there's this thing in, in, in the stories of Jesus that constantly grabs after us, and that is that Jesus is never limited That Jesus, what Jesus' gifts are always gifts of abundance. There is always plenty to have, and there is always plenty to give over. That he is not a stingy God. That he is not a God who only gives crumbs to his people. In the case of the loaves and the fishes, he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves. In the story of the great catch of fish, um, he almost sinks the boats with the generosity of the catch that they receive, something that they had been trying to do all day and failed. and that so just again, an example to the people who are there. Ask the Lord for anything, and He will reward you. And He will give you and He will give you an abundance of what you seek. Um, we have an abundance of him in the Eucharist. I suppose this could be a prefiguration of a Eucharistic text as well, but it's usually not interpreted that way, that basically the nourishment that they need for the journey is given to them in superabundance, and they don't know what to do with that. And and then when Simon Peter saw this, he fell to the knees of Jesus, saying, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He and all his companions were completely overwhelmed with the catch. So also were um, James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. But Jesus said to Simon, "Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be you will catch men." Then, tying their boats, tying their boats. Um, back to land, they left everything and they followed him. So look at the difference between the call to discipleship in this particular in this particular gospel, and the uh, and the some of the other calls to discipleship. We've seen what we call the synoptic problem, and the synoptic problem is that that Mar- Matthew, Mark, and Luke while they may use some common sources, are radically different. They have different thematics. They have a different way of doing all of this. And uh, and so they oftentimes disagree. We have to be cognizant of the fact in Luke's Gospel that Luke um, follows a very strict pattern. And the pattern he follows is that the ministry begins in Galilee and gradually moving away from valley, from Galilee moving up toward the holy city, toward Jerusalem, it is one continuous program, one continuous um, prophecy from, from, uh, from Galilee all the way up to the crucifixion in Judea. And that Luke will change facts in order for, for the progression of the messianic entourage to move northward and to therefore make Luke sometimes look very agnose. But, but, you know, it's not, it's not very uh, confused. There's a very, very strict order to the story of Jesus moving to Jerusalem. And, uh, and while we don't place the same emphasis with things along the way that maybe John or Mark does, that uh, what, what they really are trying to do, what Luke is trying to do, is show a consistency, a show a consistency and the dryness and the goodness of God. And uh, so I think, it's something actually pretty worthwhile um, to ponder, because then we can watch Jesus come into the fullness of his stature as, as Messiah. Here we see a miracle. It is a miracle. Um Not one of the most fantastic miracles, because Jesus could do this, he can command nature. we know that we see that in other gospels of the Lord. He is in charge of nature, he is commanding the nature um, and as he convenes convenes the nature and pushes forward into the into the into the crowd and into the mission to evangelate that to evangelize that crowd, all of those things are part and parcel <coughs> of the Lucan dynamic of um, of how uh, Jesus moves through the countryside out of Galilee and uh, and into Judea so when when then Simon Peter saw this. he fell at the knees of Jesus, saying, "Lord, leave me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, and what has he?" and all of his companions were completely overwhelmed by the catch they, they had they had made, so they made so they were so also were the families of James and the sons of Zebedee, who were now on it as men you will catch. From now on, it is men you will catch. Then bringing their boats back to land, they left everything and followed him. These two things are very important too because he says from now on you will be catching men. In other words, well, we, we get that expression, the, the fishers of men, and they are the ones who are to attract us. They are the ones who are to attract us in greater numbers and from a greater breadth of backgrounds. In order that we might uh, we, we might be faithful servants of the Lord, and we might remain close to the evangelizing presence of Jesus Christ throughout the throughout the, uh, the, the whole um, throughout the whole story of of Jesus as he moves now through the countryside and moves up toward Jerusalem. But what is, the, what is the reaction of Simon Peter, and what is the reaction of the other disciples? Simon Peter's first reaction is, this is, in fact, the leader. This is, in fact, the master, which are substitute words, actually, very substitute words, um, for, for the Messiah. And while they don't say that yet, they're getting very close to saying that. And it is, it is to back away from him. And it is to say, you know, leave me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. It's not, gee, how lucky I am that I got to meet you right up, you know, in the very beginning. Now maybe I can be, uh, you know, one of your lieutenants. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, leave me. I, I don't, this is beyond me. I don't deserve this. And yet, at the same time, Peter stays with Jesus. And he stays with him through the most difficult of times, he moves forward up the peninsula he up the up the countryside he He moves forward, he pushes with Jesus, he supports him, he is present to him at the very last moments, even to, even if he does deny him and flee, Nevertheless, at the end, Peter is still there, and the gospel does something to acknowledge this primacy of St. Peter, and that is that it places him always. In the center of everything, even in the center of the denial, even in the center of the denial, he does that, and uh, and so Master Simon replied, "We worked hard all night, and long, and caught nothing. But if you say so, I will pay out your arts. I will, I will uh, throw out my nets, and 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 caught." Nothing, but if you say so, I will go again. And when, and when they had done this, they netted such a huge portion of, portion of fish that when they had been done, they realized that uh, there was such a large number they couldn't handle them themselves, and so they called James and John to come over, and to try and to assist in the managing of the catch that they had made, which was too exhaustive and too huge for them to manage. It's the same, like I said, it, it is the theme of abundance. It is that very, very theme of abundance that the, the Lord has asked them to do something. They respond to the Lord's request that they do something. And respond to the Lord's to do, uh, request to do something, they catch an abundance of fish more than they could have ever have desired themselves. And uh, while we don't say whether they, they sold them to the hawkers on the beach or whether they just said, all right, that's it, this is, this is the Messiah, this is the leader, this is the master, and, uh, and and move on from there and leave the fish behind them for others, or whether they take their profit first and move on, it doesn't tell us that. But it does tell us that uh, that this is not a small amount of money. And uh, that was represented by the number of fish. So that even the material goods, the earthly goods, where Jesus is Lord of the of the faithful, and where Jesus is the one who uh, makes it possible for for them to take time off from their fishing and have some money in their pocket to go follow Jesus, and so He is great insofar as what He is doing is causing the. Uh, He's causing the fish to, uh, to multiply in such a way that uh, he's assuring a harvest of plenty. And just as we have seen Jesus before give a harvest of plenty, and then he gives the ultimate harvest of plenty at the crucifixion. Because at the crucifixion, as he opens his shirt, and as they, they stab him and blood and water flow out, then that is the ultimate bounty of the Lord, the absolute ultimate bounty of the Lord. That is where he gives them himself, who is infinite. And they can, they can pursue him, they can put him in, in uh, candle wax, they can do anything they want to with him. Um, and at the same time, you never simply run out of, the, of, the, uh, of what Jesus has promised them that they will never run out of the fullness of that which they seek. And uh, so, what do we get then when we look at this particular one? We, we've dealt with a lot of fish lately. And, uh, and so, what kind of is the meaning of all of that kind of thing? Well, it is the tool that Jesus used with fishermen. This is what they understood. They were fishermen. And they certainly understood that um, as fishermen, that this becomes a symbol of their life, of their life with Christ. And he says to them, you know, you will become fishers of men. And they kind of understand that, they kind of take to that, because they abandon the crucifix and the person who has the crucifix, and they hold and uh, hold him in their hearts and in their minds throughout this quest for full discipleship. And when, in fact, we, we get to <clears throat> Jerusalem, they're, they're, more, they're very aware of what they are supposed to do, and they're very aware of the high tensions and the very dangerous nature of what they're supposed to do, and they're very uh, conscientious about doing it. And uh, not all of them, but most of them. And uh, and when you get to, for instance, the denials and the fear and all of that kind of stuff, it just kind of shows you that Jesus does not pick superheroes. Jesus does not pick those people who... Uh, you know, who you immediately expect, you know, to leap out of the crowd and defend the master and so forth. Peter denies him three times, screaming and swearing he denies him three times. Um, John did not. And uh, and most of the rest of them all well, of the rest of them do it to some degree and move on. And uh so if, I think that if we if we take these gospels and we're able to see Jesus' allusion to fish is an allusion to the people who follow him, who are essentially fishermen. And what he's doing is he's reaching down into the ordinary, and uh, pulling out images which people recognize and understand, identifying those with the people, and then showing how they symbolize the growth of the kingdom of heaven, and how they symbolize also their mission, what their mission is going to be. And in so doing, I think, he draws to himself hundreds of disciples, not just apostles, but hundreds of disciples. Here, the apostles are cut out out of the Gospel. James and John and Simon they're the most famous ones and uh, he cuts them out he leads them on they uh, they do the best they can um, comes the, uh, the trial they all don't do so well including Peter but Peter ends up crying and ends up regretting his betrayal of the Lord through the machinations of uh, of uh, Young men who were Jews, and he himself who was a Jew, who undoubtedly, he used Jewish law and undoubtedly he used Jewish culture in order to separate himself from the rest of the crowd, and only later did he come to the realization of what he had done. The very thing that should have pulled them up together in the first place was the very thing that couldn't pull them together, and the very thing then that Peter himself had to understand had to be overcome in his life in order for him to be a full and a protect, and a full and an adequate apostle of the Lord. He had to go through these long and painful separations, and they were painful, and they did no matter how short they were. Before you uh, before you give yourself away, you gotta purge the rubble. and uh, And if, in fact, the remnants of Judaism were so tight in Peter that it would be impossible for him to move himself in a direction of true Christianity. It would have been a lot better to do this. There's many there's many theologians who say that Peter did exactly this and that, that this was the outcome of the uh, this this was actually the outcome of the uh, the letters that testify to Peter as the first witness of the resurrection. That's a whole other story, the whole witness of the resurrection. We hold firm to what the Scripture says, that Jesus is the first witness to the resurrection. Not the, person, not the first person to see Jesus after he rose from the dead, but to grasp the consequences of what that means. And, uh, and in so doing, <coughs> retains his place as As head of the church and uh and here um Peter is the one directly whom the Lord speaks to the most, and he gets into his boat and is the one therefore who paddles Jesus out into deeper waters so that they can uh, they can wash their nets. I don't know what do it's well, but I don't understand that kind of fishing either. I guess how they do that what that means. But let us leave this passage then with, with, this, particular, with this particular passage, the last one. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell on his knees at Jesus' at saying, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. But when he and all his companions were completely overwhelmed by the, by the catch they had made, so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. But James said to Simon, do not be afraid, from now on it is men you will catch. when they began bringing their boats back to shore, they left everything and they followed him. Gospel of the Lord. So that's the calling of James, John, and Peter according to the Gospel of St. Luke. There are elements, of course, of my calling and your calling in there as well although our essential calling comes from um, our being taken to church and baptized for the, for the majority of us, that there is also that personal dimension somewhere along the way where people have decided to choose Jesus Christ and have decided to follow him. May we all double our efforts to follow him in these very troubled times and dig deep, more deeply into the, into the holy land of his word in order that we might be effective ministers of his gospel, and effective preachers of his word. Foundations in Faith is a production of listener-supported Saint Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM 820. Archives of Foundations in Faith are available at SaintGabrielRadio.com.